0: afternoon everyone hope you're good welcome back to tuning it over we're live weekdays at 12:30, and we also then are available after the fact wherever it's gone on social media be that youtube facebook linkedin so if you're encountering it one place and you'd rather it somewhere else it's probably there as well we also then put the audio onto a podcast stream so you can access it on your podcast apps whichever you use stitcher itunes spotify etc many thanks to the people that feedback after the fact probably about 70% of listeners listen in their commutes afterwards, etc. Uh, but because of the conversational nature of the show that we're doing, they then want to feed back and stuff afterwards, which is great. And we try and feed that in. And we definitely integrate those topics that you want us to cover into future shows. And then people tune in at lunchtime if they can do. Today, I want it to be certainly lots of participation. Whenever I have a guest on, which I do again today, it certainly means that you guys are a little quieter on the chat function, which is fine. But definitely on this one, I know, Another lady I'm about to introduce is someone that really wants to hear your views as well as as I do. Um, And so we're going to have a chat about why Becky and her colleagues feel that this is a time to be talking about massage and manual therapy, but in a different context than the circular arguments that have been happening over the years. And I suppose it's also given insight as to why we're joining that fray in a more obvious and vocal fashion and partly inspired by her and her colleagues. So may I introduce to you in a few clicks? Becky DeMott-Horton is here. Becky, can you hear me?
1: I can. Hi, yeah.
0: Fantastic. How are you doing?
1: I'm all right, I think. Yeah. It's been a mental few days, as it has been for everybody, but <laughs> I think I've pretty much just figured out what weighs up, and I'm still yeah. here, so yes, it's absolutely. all
0: good. Yeah, well, I think we'll probably come to talk a little bit about that, no doubt, <laughs> uh, without getting into the to, to the nitty-gritty of it too quickly. Tell the audience that might not know about you who you are, and, and what are you doing talking to me now
1: <laughs> okay cool so i'm a soft tissue therapist um i trained uh, about two and a half three years ago so i'm relatively new to the industry i trained with anna maria mattieri um up at the it's up for me because i'm in cornwall but it is only in Exmouth. so the, the rest of the country it's down in Exmouth. um uh, i did the isrm level five qualification i've been working down here I've got my own clinic down here which is actually in a bit of a state of flux at the moment um, but then I've sort of stayed in touch with Anna and got in touch with Matt and and kind of fell in with the stuff that they were doing and then really locked the first lockdown was a good kick for us to go right this is really our opportunity to get out there and do something with this and the three of us feel very passionately about massage and manual therapy and its place within the industry but also that like you say, we need to change how we're talking about it and we need to maybe reframe it slightly so that our voices get heard.
0: So let's talk about why the time is now because I think that's a good touch-off point for us to sort of talk about it and and, and I know we've had many a conversation off-air as well as you guys then just being to be honest, I've been a bit upset because you've hardly needed me and team. Really, you guys have just flown <laughs> with it. But I thought we'd be more involved, and 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 uh, yeah, you've 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 been tutorless in many ways. But tell folk and and probably tell me and remind me a bit about why the time is now because you guys are being pretty vocal and, and and provocative in the in all the right ways. But you, there seems to be a sense of urgency to some of the things you say.
1: Yeah, I think I think COVID. Um, has been an opportunity for us in a way actually it's brought the industry together in a way it's never been brought together before Um, we the the fact that the manual therapy and mass, you know everything kind of other than physios osteo and chiros is unregulated so it's very fragmented um, and that's never really shown up as an issue before until covid and then all of a sudden the fact that we had no cohesion as an industry was a hindrance to us Um, so I think we we felt we wanted to get out and say this for a long time, but maybe maybe the interest wasn't there, maybe the platform wasn't there, because it, it was kind of a bit easier to just go, Well, I'm I'm all right doing what I do in my association that I'm in or within my qualification and I, I don't I don't need anything else. This has shone a light on the fact that we aren't recognized in the way that we'd like to be recognized. Our value has been questioned. Our place in the industry has been questioned. And it's given us it's given us the opportunity to explore that and for people to want to hear, you know, the stuff that we've got to say because that they feel like maybe they need some help in finding their place.
0: Mm, no, that's been fascinating, certainly. And I think What's interesting, because the, the Massage Collective and now the, the Massage Matters podcast run by you, Matt and Anna Maria, um, the, the the reason why I, I don't like to, you can talk to any of the three of you about any of the topics, but admittedly for me, I've delineated it this way in the early stages and why I wanted to talk to you about some of the specifics is because Matt, admittedly, you know, he, 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 if I wanted to zoom in on some of the D- nitty-gritty of the evidence, as well as we had him on the show a couple of weeks ago. For those that haven't seen it, and we really got stuck into what it means to, in, in a philosophical sense, and what that means in terms of its position. And whilst I know full well that you can riff on similar things, similarly, it just felt like that's something that that's admittedly so his wheelhouse. Anna Maria, huge inspiration to me in the way in which she sort of sees that big picture policy, but also the business aspects of it, as well as being, of course, close to that stuff and a huge passion for how it what it means sociologically and definitely we're going to talk about with her on this show and elsewhere about those sorts of things. I consider you rightly or wrongly to be someone that is just so in touch, your fingers so close to the pulse on the grassroots. And I think that sometimes speaks to the fact that you're relatively new to it, but also have, seem to have, uh, have, have had your mind open to the position of, 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 of you and people like you in the industry in such a way. So I definitely want to really focus on that uh here. I wanted to ask as well as that framing, does that feel a, a sort of appropriate place that you see yourself in this in this conversation? Not just me with me now. I mean the broader conversation. And if so, how relevant is the the, the timing as well as your position with your colleagues?
1: Yeah, I think you're spot on, and that's why I hope that that's why people enjoy listening to Anna, Matt, and I, and that's why we work as a trio because we've all we've all got our different strengths, and and like you say, Matt is just mind-blowingly intelligent. I'm exhausted from every conversation I ever have with Matt. Um, And Anna has her wealth of experience in teaching. And Anna's Anna's great strength for me is that she's been through all this process of change. And she's had to adapt the way she not only practices herself, but the way she conveys that to her students. I've come in as um, a complete outsider to the industry. I had no background in this whatsoever. and yeah it just a lot of stuff that went on didn't really make sense to me I was lucky enough to be taught by Anna so from a very early stage it was an evidence-based approach um, without being too heavily academic um, but then I looked at the industry of a whole and I was like there's this whole section that's being forgotten and that's being dismissed and that's not being spoken to and it's not and it's being told that what they're doing is wrong but is not being given any clear pathway to improve because and and the thing that struck me first of all and I've said this before I was lucky in the groups that I fell in with you know I I discovered yourself I discovered Matt Phillips Mike James and and so I felt like um, the stuff that I was listening to took me down the right path however what I very quickly sort of saw is that if I wanted any quality evidence-based CPD it had to be physio-led and I wasn't a physio and I don't I don't have a degree. I don't have an academic background. So a lot of the time that to me feels like a very daunting situation to be in. So what you have two choices then, don't you? You go, well, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to engage in any of that because it's too scary or I'll go along and I'll sit at the back and hope nobody talks to me and nobody asks me a question because I don't belong here. (laughs) so so with with you know the the msk industry as a whole is saying that massage needs to improve that we need to change our narrative that we need to be more evidence-based but we're not helping anybody get there
0: now i wanted to, that it concerns me in a number of ways because i i recognize all that you're saying but i also don't want to divorce myself from some responsibility for that pulling the ladder up that could well have occurred and 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 i'm yeah typical narcissism for me to sort of make it about me for a, for a second but do you think me and team at times have been have contributed to some of those negative forces that have sort of pulled that ladder up or has it always been at least accessible enough
1: I think I think perhaps some of that depends on the therapist that's accessing it I I was a newbie and I I I always found I didn't feel that you were pulling the ladder up from me now whether that's just because I'm a bit thick-skinned and broad-shouldered and I could accept some of the criticism that I was hearing and occasionally just some of the out-of-hand dismissing a whole area of the the industry um maybe that didn't bother me as much as it does do some other people. I have heard, and I'm not going to shoot anybody down because I think what everybody does is great. It it talks to different people, but I have had some therapists say, Oh, I just won't listen to that because it's not relevant to me or they don't like manual therapy or, and, and and that's where I feel then they're missing out because it's like, well, can you accept that criticism? Can you accept their point of view and just take from it what will help you? So I've, I've not really answered your question there. I think, I think maybe Mm -hmm. yes, sometimes you have, but it's not been deliberate and it's not been in a in a sodom let's not worry about way. Mm -hmm. It's been in a this is our area of expertise and this is what we're going to talk about. And actually, why would you why would you talk about massage? You're doing a physio podcast, (laughs) you know. So but what I what rather than criticize um yourselves or anybody else that's been aiming at that market what what worries me more is that there was nothing filling the gap in between so you can you could go on a course to learn how to release someone's fascia or you can listen to some physio-led stuff so there's nothing bridging that gap and and it shouldn't be purely down to physios or osteos to be delivering quality cpd to manual massage therapists there should be some good enough educators in manual therapy that we can do it within our own field and yes draw on the stuff that you guys do and and you know especially for us as soft tissue therapists we don't just do manual therapy or we do a lot of exercise, rehab, lifestyle stuff, you know, the, the kind of stuff that you guys mm. do, although in a slightly different scope of practice. So, yes, from that point of view, we, sh- we should be listening to your stuff and we should be understanding and it and accessing it. But there should also be that middle ground and there should be stuff coming from massage and manual therapists that is good quality and is evidence based.
0: Yeah, well, I'm I'm pleased to hear it, and as I say, I wasn't meaning to suddenly make it all all, all sort of all centric in a sense. Not even me, just generally thinking about what our our interaction with it with it has. I think that there's, and I'm glad that you feel that it'd be more of a mischaracterization or misunderstanding of a position that would would sometimes isolate people than it being that we've ever been utterly dismissive. Because it's kind of that. This is one of the things that's really, you know, you guys have really changed me on is that it's been the first time I've heard people from in that side of the industry that have then spoken and saying we agree with you wholeheartedly or at least want to engage with the 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 concern you have over the inference of mechanism of effect of our interventions but we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, which has kind of always been at the heart of it as someone that that has no that's no particular beef. And especially when the, I think it's a category error when people are particularly against manual therapy. When you get into the weeds on it, we always seem to reveal the fact that it's like, well, if you define manual therapy by its its worst characteristics, then I think that most sensible evidence informed massage therapists are against that style of manual therapy. The inference of what you're suggesting to patients. So when we sort of spell that out, I think it sort of seems to be a, uh, an appropriate thing. I wonder what your thoughts are on this. I think that as physios, we continue to be utterly paranoid at the perception of physio from society at large to be glorified masseuses in such a way that, and that language is often used and and, and in in needing to carve an identity that is something that's beyond basic technician, especially because that comes with a suggestion of fixing people that over the years, by trying to change that perception, We've then needed to be so aggressive that we've kind of ended up being far more dismissive than we ever needed to or want to be. when we know that that's an integrated tool that most of us aren't truly against it, but it's because it's been seen as so central to our our identity, that's the thing that that uh, that I think has got swept up in it and and I've never for a time until relatively recently, I think I've not realized who. In the in the wider MSK game, gets isolated by that rhetoric, and I think that's one of the things I've really come to learn from you guys. Do you, can you see that social context, or am I retrofitting yeah. it over? You know, maybe uh, no, after the fact.
1: I think it's very true, and I think, and I think almost it's why massage has gone the wrong way. It's almost you guys have gone right. We need to justify, not justify our position, but we need to make sure our our value is seen and that value is to be very evidence-based and to and to not be seen as glorified massage therapists. Massage therapy has almost gone the other way and say we have to prove the medical or the um yeah the the medical value of this so we're going to try and come up with a structural argument and that's what's given us this 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 narrative that's that's not plausible and doesn't stand up to evidence because we've had to find a way of go well we're not physios so we can't just we're not just going to exercise people or we're we're not going to go down the way that evidence-based physio has we want to use these manual techniques because we see that they have a value and our way of justifying them has been a structural argument which doesn't stand up so i think i think yeah you've got a really good point there and what it's actually done is just driven the two professions apart um, rather than go, well, okay, if physio wants to concentrate on on this side of things, on this way of treating people, then actually to me, soft tissue therapists, sports therapists, massage therapists, whatever title you're working under, you have more of a value because we're saying that's where you go to to get that that particular type of treatment because you're unlikely to encounter that in a physio setting or to a lesser extent
0: and it feels increasingly that way and we've seen that commentary come through especially under the nhs being under strain and people accessing independent services through insurance or otherwise they're start, starting to feel like that's the only place in which they can have a conversation about a more integrated and balanced strategy beyond mm-hmm. rehab mm-hmm. Uh, or even not even i won't even call it rehab but yeah the sheet of exercises cliche that we all um want to pretend is not pervasive in, in in the certainly in the physio game now the specificity I see, I see as being a big challenge and something that I know you've spoken well on and I can't recall whether this is me watching some of your broadcasts or whether it's a person or a private chat that we've had, but that's something that seems to intimidate a lot of, of, of massage therapists and, and generally speaking I'd say across the MSK industry is the fact that, that a lot of the challenges that come from us as commentators talking about evidence-informed rehab-centric practice is that specificity of styles and types and, and ways in which you might influence tissue and the and the sort of um, inference of, of, of what what tape can do what hands can do what needles can do etc and, and the, the the complexity that's been created as a means of inferring specificity in part to be able to sell delineated courses as part of champion influencers but generally speaking that 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 has been something that when we talk sensibly about what it means to be, involved in 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 massage therapy the sensible sort of i argue that the right answer to it comes from you guys that are challenging that that specificity or that the expertise isn't there the expertise is in the person-centeredness how have you gone about that journey because i i don't feel like i'm the right person to be able to speak that language because i've been in that situation so did that threaten you and how did you transition out of that
1: i did even as me even for me who's someone who's trained fairly recently and i've not invested you know i invested a lot of money in my initial course i've not invested thousands and thousands on cpd or trademarked courses or anything like that even me was like "Well, why did i learn all these techniques then what what was the what was the point in that so it is a difficult journey um and it's the frustrating thing is that that specificity of modality has I believe, led to this very structural outlook. I've had to justify teaching you, if I want to teach a course purely based on one specific modality, I have to give you a justification as to why that works over every other hands-on modality. And that has to, there's no other way that can be than a structural explanation. It releases this particular muscle, It, it whatever the explanation is for it. So. And that's something, and that's, you know, that's the big change I'd like to see in the industry is that we stop doing that because of course it leads to structuralism and how can we ever put the patient at, or the client at the centre of what we do if we're going to choose a particular modality because we it's what we've learned and we think it does this structurally. Now, if you are a therapist who has done a lot of your education around modalities or even and this is the other thing that happens in the massage industry or the manual therapy industry your identity is tied up with your modality so you are a myofascial release therapist or you know your identity is so fixed with that modality god of course that's frightening of course it's intimidating of course you sit there and go well what the hell am I going to do then and that's I want to see those courses stop being sold like that because I think they're not worthwhile. Does that mean the modalities aren't worthwhile? No, it doesn't. Those modalities are worthwhile. But as a hands-on therapist, you need to have a variety of modalities, not to affect tissues in different ways, but because different modalities will suit different individuals. So a type of hands-on treatment that, helps one person will feel probably unpleasant to another and you need to so you know it's not as much I think it's I'm not just saying we need to chuck them all out and as long as you can give somebody a nice rub we'll be fine (laughs) you know you you need a variety of modalities you need lots of different strategies of of using your hands and treating different um, symptoms and things like that but you don't need to hang your hat on them and you need to understand that all you're doing is, is finding something that helps that client rather than treats a particular pathology in a very specific way because that's the modality you've taught, been taught to apply when a tendon is sore.
0: And I think that's what's interesting to me is that you've got that patient preference leading to assisting the modality choice, if we call it that. In such a way that sometimes there's been arguments that that is just raw pa- raw pandering. That that that's the, the sort of uh, and and what you guys are doing is articulating a, a way in which it's truly patient centred without necessarily just being a nodding dog and and going along with whatever is being asked of you, especially if their patient is carrying with it some assumptions as to why they need yeah. that particular yeah. thing.
1: So I think it's only pandering if you if a client is coming to you saying, I need you to do this, because, you know, and they've got that false belief around it, or it's pandering, if you say, I am going to do this, and then you give them a false belief as to why it's going to work. It's not pandering to work with your client to find out what is acceptable for them, what is comfortable for them, what helps them in terms of their pain level in terms of their ability to move in terms of their ability to engage in in other activities you know that's not pandering that's being client-centered
0: yeah absolutely i think what what fascinates me and i want to get to a a couple of bits of policy sort of questions as well towards the end of this but i do want to come to some questions that have come in we've got a chunk of a live audience so i want to ask you a, a direct question to those that are watching live as to what does what does would you what do you feel a position is currently of massage within the msk industry that's what i want to ask you is where do you where do you feel it is now becky don't you answer that just yet i'm asking the audience to, to put into the comments wherever it might be and it'll come to us uh, i want to know where you feel it uh, it fits one of the things that we've got a cluster of questions here from david polter who's come through on periscope on twitter he said is i want you just quick fire if you wish is massage manual therapy is manual therapy part of massage what is soft tissue therapist? I think there's some rhetorical questions there, but Sodic, let's try and answer them. What your you take?
1: It's all different names for very similar things,
0: isn't
1: it? <laughs> um, you know, what what is okay? So, what is a soft tissue therapist? Someone who addresses soft t- or pain that is as of a soft tissue origin, maybe. Yeah. I don't, you know, that would be a very crude. I'd say it's not just that. Um, is massage manual therapy is manual therapy problem. I think those two words are interchangeable, to be honest, because right. you're laying hands on someone, you know, maybe we just need to, I know it all sounds a bit dodgy when you start saying what's your profession oh I'm a i am aii put my hands on people but essentially <laughs> essentially that's hands what... on people
0: for money yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they, they lumped into far too many things wouldn't you by that but in no, a I...
1: massage parlor according to Boris Johnson but we, oh, we won't wow. get into that
0: massage <laughs> parlor and, and things like that yeah that did come up but, and I but
1: yeah out. I think I think all those ty- and again, this comes down to the fact we're an unregulated industry. So if you want to sell a qualification or if you want to sell a CPD, you have to come up for a name with a name for it, and that name becomes that therapist's identity. I honestly, and when a client so if I think about it, when a client asks me, what's the difference between you and a sports therapist, what's you the difference between you and a massage therapist? very little is the answer as long as and this you know, this is this speaks to what you do you're doing with MSKR as well, isn't it? It's the difference is the therapist. The difference is not the 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 name of the, the therapy that they're providing. It's are they a good client-centered evidence-based practitioner?
0: Absolutely. I think that what's fascinating for me is that we were talking about this as MSKR when when really having studied it carefully, we were kind of frustrated about the fact that there's a bit of a, it's a, it's, it's smoke and mirrors regulation anyway across what would be considered the allied health professions that are then under a tighter reg, seen as being a more legitimate regulation of which on a safety level, there's, there's some credibility to it in terms of the likelihood of being able to detect a physiotherapist on the hcp register who's then committing some sort of um you know let's let's say some sort of uh, taking advantage of their circumstance in which they're then committing some sort of sexual act on a patient right it's just in a situation where those safety grounds there's an argument that that's actually where it acts well and swiftly etc in in the claims sense where there's a professionalization that has occurred on that safety level but in terms of quality standards i won't go into it too much if people want to they can even download an audio book for free of the manifesto for reform which gets stuck into this on a governance level as to why that regulation is, is, is paper rather than legitimate. But it's just something that I've come to realize and why we speak the language of MSK therapists really is something that feels quite, quite interesting to my identity is because at the moment we're looking at a circumstance that because of the legacy and we understand why on a legal front, why in the moment when someone needs to say who can stay open, who can stay short, what is the legitimate level of governance that feels like it's safe for the public? In that moment, you can understand some of the decision making, but when people like us have been making this argument for a while and saying there isn't a there there in this regulatory framework, it's it's foolish, and we're not speaking sensibly about it, I end up in a situation where some of the therapists that I would send friends and family members, love friends and family members to, to see their MSK problems and feel confident in doing it, are currently not allowed to practice. When Cowboy Joe blogs up the road who's full of shit but happens to have a... The right certificate on the wall who's done the degree that's technically on a register which of course is more paper again rather than legitimacy they're able to stay open and you know for me sell sickness it, it, that's what has somewhat radicalized me in terms of timing for wanting to work closely with you guys to say and even put to bed some of the mistakes I might have made historically me and team where we've sometimes come across and worded this wrong is that That, for me, is something that we need to lose any sort of identity-based tribalism around the industry and start thinking about what a quality therapist looks like, because it's really mattering at the moment, because it literally is who's allowed to A, stay open legally, B, be insured to then see people and feel safe and under that insurance, and three, the customer behavior as to even when it's legal and insured the customer behavior is who to, to trust, do feels safe etc is being questioned and so it just feels like that's why a time is now is, is, is for this conversation on a policy level.
1: Yeah and it, yeah, you're right and it's it's highlighted all of that. What it's also highlighted to me as well is and I've said it before but if we if we want to be included in that and and we're all up in arms that the government the way we were referred to initially they did then rephrase it unfortunately it seems to have gone backwards a little bit on this um this legislation but we're the only ones that can change that and actually this is an opportunity for us to show how professional we can be you know I'm not going to see you in the next four weeks to give you a nice relaxing therapeutic massage, because that would be wholly inappropriate. It's not essential. It's not, um, it's not safe in a, you know, with what's going on in the world at the moment, but there are situations where I might have some value in helping somebody avoid using NHS services or continue to be able to live a, a life that's meaningful to them so we actually have a really good opportunity to now to kind of go right okay I'm going to show you just how professional I can be and you think the only people that can be safe are physios because you know <laughs> I I can be safe I can you know I can put in appropriate safety measures I can show clinical reasoning in why I'm going to see somebody and why I'm not I'm gonna show restraint in just seeing anybody who phones me for an appointment so It's given us a great opportunity to go, I can be on that same level of professionalism. And again, that doesn't come down to your qualification. That comes down to you behaving like a
0: professional and and like a responsible therapist that professionalization agenda is something we're going to talk more about and certainly that's one for for uh, your and my colleague anna maria to, to jump on the show in future to really getting stuck into when we get some of the, the scaffolding around that but one of the things that's um a, a place and i know that we're out of time so we do need to wrap up but one of the things that i think is is interesting for me is you guys are towing a completely sensible line right now by the way with regards to what is COVID safe what is or isn't appropriate however i actually i'm i'm uh, I'm probably someone that would understand uh, on a pragmatic level, I can think of circumstances that 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 would challenge that a little in that when you think about what is considered urgent and you think about what a patient considers as urgent and what might keep people out of hospital when you think about the integrated biopsychosocial features that contribute to people's well-being you think about the mental health sequelae that we're all recognizing in the statistics as well as the anecdotes that we're encountering is that even something like a a, um, a, an hour with a therapist that you trust giving a completely sterile and safe intervention that is a relaxing massage that might then keep someone from various different other downstream effects I would argue even something like that is an incredibly potent intervention and when you think about the fact that massage therapy for whatever political reason is something that unlike arts therapists drama therapists music therapists that happen to be small professions within what is considered an nhs england's ahp bubble for various reasons is something that my my your man and your massage therapy colleagues that are working in oncology <laughs> you know absolutely incredible interventions that they're delivering that for, for arbitrary reasons are falling outside of the net is incredibly distressing for me, and why I've become, some have argued, radicalized in this direction to say that we've got to scratch away when you scratch away at these things you realize there isn't as much substance there as people realize and so i want to just encourage everyone to pay more attention to you guys i would say that being involved in what you're doing with massage matters but pay attention and follow the massage collective start to think more carefully about these things because you'll be surprised at what you've missed because you've probably been a bit dismissive sometimes if you're on the msk front and you might not have been as thoughtful about what you're doing in the massage front and you guys are really bridging that gap lovely
1: yeah. Cool. And, and, you know, you say that about my position is I, I don't think we should be giving therapeutic massage just now. But, you know, it, and it is two minutes past one. But I think even more so now we've had touch taken away from us as a society. And, you know, that's a discussion for another day that actually if the only legitimate legal way Somebody who's in pain or is struggling with mental health problems can have therapeutic touch from somebody who cares for them and, and is willing to um, listen to them and, and help them, then that has massive value at the moment, like more so than a,
0: ever. On safety and governance grounds, I think you've got a completely correct position that is smart and safe for you. But I can, I suppose that's the thing, I'm using a, a some, somewhat position of professional privilege because of the arbitrary hierarchy to say, actually i'd go a bit further but i understand why you guys aren't yeah. because i think we need to be more thoughtful about the specifics of the intervention and what it means to be covid safe now compared to what we thought nine months ago when we didn't understand this virus as much for example so anyway we are out of time and overtime as ever i'm always i'm creeping over aren't I? I always say i'll try and keep the time and i've been told i'm always five minutes over but thanks as ever for your time mate really appreciate you really, really appreciate all the work you're doing and it certainly won't be the last time i hope this hasn't been too daunting
1: a little bit daunting but i'm all right
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right i'm I'm going to to the beach now (laughs) tune into massage matters tune into the massage collective and again We'll see you tomorrow, and tomorrow is Finance Friday. Oh, one thing I wanted to point out as well: there's a great chat going on 8:30 on the support group, the physiotherapist support group on Facebook, Gemma Oliver's group. They're talking about health code. So if you're in private practice and you th- you get frustrated by the pr- private medical insurers and are wanting to disrupt that industry, then Leanne and Martin are doing a live stream at 8:30 on there. So please do tune into that, and we're going to get them involved in tuning it over in the coming weeks as well to get stuck into the private medical insurers that we all love, of course. So anyway, do go and check them out and uh, thanks again everyone for your time Tune in tomorrow for me chatting to Obi Hassan if you've got any questions in private practice about financial gubbins then definitely submit those what are you struggling with at the moment what would you like a bit of guidance on where should the priorities be with a financial director uh, so that should be fascinating so anyway that's enough from us take care Cheers.